And uh, thank you, church. What a delight to be with you. If you don't know who I am, I'm Doug, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it is just great to be back with you. And I am so grateful for Pastor Nate and for Pastor Chris having taken this last month and taking you through the book of Habakkuk and uh, just the time with that. And what a great job. And I just have to say, God, thank you so much for the, the staff and for the pastors that you've given here. Um, uh, just what you've done and the ability is just stunning to me. Uh, even just with that, I literally this week was thinking about just how cool is it that over this last month and then today, so I don't know if you know this or not, but you've had a former Brownsburg police officer, a former Rolls-Royce aeronautical engineer, and uh, well, what was I for 20 years? I'll just call it a, a former a medical device entrepreneur uh, preaching God's word over these last weeks to you. And that's in no way on us. That's a testimony to God changes lives and God even changes careers <laughs> at, at times with that. And just what a special thing. So grateful for them. Well, I'm wearing my t-shirt and my hiking boots again because uh, just as a reminder that this is a base camp year for us as a church. We're strategically uh, using this year in a unique way. It's a forward year. Uh, that's a key word for us. And I'm just gonna have to say, I'm so grateful for the myriad of work that's being done by our staff, by our pastors, by our elders. And so many of you, as we are investing this year in really doing strategic planning and work for the future and, and uh, how we can be increasingly effective as a disciple-making church for God's glory, and so grateful for that. And, and just a part of that with this year as a base camp year is using these Sundays in a, in a very unlike, in a very unique way for us to talk about some subjects that are key to this whole thing for us uh, into the future. And kind of that even began in January, and beginning with the month of January in a forward series where I took uh, that month to talk about the, uh, the who we are and what we are are about and just kind of reestablishing our mission and our vision and our values and, and so forth with us as a church and just as so many are coming in and, and all together uh, on those. And then moving out of that uh, strategically, February and June became about growing forward. Uh, what I would call a systematic theology study on what it is to be uh, growing in Christ, theologically progressive sanctification, what it looks like to be growing and maturing in Christ as disciples, as followers of Christ. And Because after all, if we're going to be a church that is really serious about being passionate about uh, seeing, pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God, then we need to be a people that are living that out. We need to be a people that are in a passionate pursuit of the radiant God, right? I mean, otherwise you call that a hypocrite and we don't want to be that. And so we're spent those five months. What does it look like? Looking back and looking forward, the whole big picture, and then talking about living new uh, in Christ with that. And, and then today we're beginning the second of these uh, kind of two systematic theology series on uh, sent forward, um, sent forward, the, the why and the what and the how do we go about making disciples and being disciples that make disciples uh, into the future? Uh, so I want to officially kind of begin uh, this series here for us. Uh, it's going to take us through Thanksgiving, but uh, uh, I just want to have us dive into this. And uh, you ready? Yeah. 
Okay, that's really good. You know, it's always when someone asks that at the beginning, you're like, I think I'm ready. I really guess I have no choice, huh? Uh, so here we go. We're going we're gonna to dive into this, and it's going to take us up to Thanksgiving. And, and uh, it's about making disciples for Christ as disciples of Christ. Let's be a sent forward people. And I'm just going to tell you before I pray, here's the layout for the coming weeks up through Thanksgiving. We're going to spend these first two Sundays. These are kind of introduction Sundays, today and next Sunday. Uh, today, the picture from Scripture. we got to get a picture from from scripture on sent forward so we have a healthy understanding biblically of what we're talking about. And then next Sunday, it's gonna be the practice from Christ. Christ was one who ministered to the masses but discipled a few. And we're gonna lean into that and after we get that picture and that practice. That next Sunday, August 21st, by the way, John Kelly from Chicago West Bible Church is gonna be here. Love John and uh, he's been here before and you're gonna love him. You won't wanna miss that. Uh, John may be doing just a one-up sermon or he may may be doing something that is part of what we're talking about in this sent forward. I'm letting him decide that and just what God is doing there in Chicago in, in his area, but he'll be here on the 21st. Then after that, it's going to be really the three core portions of this series. Disciples follow, disciples make, churches equip. Disciples follow, disciples make, and churches equip. That, that first uh, one, disciples follow. We'll just take one Sunday on that uh, in great part because we just came out of five months of really talking about what that looks like. But we're building this out of Matthew of 419. And Jesus said to Simon and Andrew, follow me. It starts there. So we're going to start there at that point, take a Sunday on that. It's about being followers, disciples of Christ as followers of Christ. And then we're getting into the meat of it. Disciples make. Uh, again, Jesus said to them, Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There was a thing coming out of that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Five Sundays out of that. Disciples make by preparing. Disciples make by planting. Intentional preparing and intentional planning. By the way, after that is going to be our all-together service that, Lord willing, we're going to have outside. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. Please, God, uh, outside with that all together and, and with that, those two lead up to that. And I just want to say, who are you going to bring? Who are you going to bring to that? Uh, what a great opportunity to uh, be preparing now and planting now to bring someone uh, for that on September 18th. And then we'll continue disciples make by preparing and by planting, by watering, by weeding, by harvesting. Does that not sound like a Midwest series? right there. Hey, we get that stuff and that's biblical and we'll be seeing this. Disciple making is not an event. Disciple making is a process and we're going to be delving into that process. And then we'll finish with churches equipped because Ephesians 4, that's what we're supposed to do. We're to equip disciples to make disciples with that. In fact, after that one Sunday, we're going to have four more Sundays following that, equipping you on some apologetics issues, not apology issues, but apologetics issues. If you don't know what that is, you'll find out. We'll get there. Then it's going to be Thanksgiving after that, Lord willing, uh, Christmas and uh, the light entered and uh, looking forward to that. Let's pray, okay? God, here we begin right now. We start a series with what's ahead and and I am cranked up. You know me, you know this is a passion, deeply so of my heart. And um, I pray you would do a work. God, I pray that we would be a people increasingly leaning into you, a people increasingly who are being sent for you. And 
God, do a work beyond what I can say, beyond what uh, we can think. Spirit of God, move among the people of God using the word of God to point us to you. So here we are, do a work in a way that only you can do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, it's an intro Sunday, so it kind of has that tone to it. It's a little bit unique, uh, but here we are in Sent Forward. And before we get into this, I just say this. This series is for every follower of Christ. This series is not for a certain few or for a select few. If you know Christ as your Savior, I'm just going to say it this way. If last night you came to understand that you're a sinner separated from God and you received Christ as your savior and drove the stake in the ground and you are redeemed in Christ this morning, this is for you as well. This is for all of us because it is a call on all of God's people in that. Uh, also, I'll just add, this is a series. Yeah, it's about sharing your faith, but this is a series about making disciples. By the way, that includes, hey, parents, be paying attention here because this is a parenting series as well because you're raising disciples. I mean, that's what you're doing in the reality. This is a parenting series, if you wanna call it that way. It's also, it's a kids ministry series. It's a student ministry series on what it looks like to minister to kids and to students. This is a small group series on what's taking place in small groups and what we're trying to see happen in small groups. This is a reaching your family for Christ, reaching your friends for Christ. This is a reaching the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel uh, series as well. So I just want for you to understand that, that, that this is life. This is life. This is not an event. All right, here we go. The picture from scripture. Let's see this whole reality that God has this design on his ones to be actively involved in raising up more like for his glory. If you will, open your Bibles. Picture number one uh, at creation, Genesis chapter one. I think you know where that is. Genesis chapter one, beginning of the Bible. Uh, the context, verse one, in the beginning, God, what an amazing statement, seriously. In the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth, verse two, the earth was without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep. It's really a cool picture in verses one and two. The picture that we see, we're, we're grabbing, we're starting a thread that's gonna carry us all the way through this morning to Revelation. As we start this thread, we see this thread to where it begins and God has this blank slate, this blank uh, pattern upon which he is now going to do a creation. And the Godhead could do it however the God Godhead wants because the Godhead is, well, the Godhead, right? And they're going to do it. Let's watch how they do some of this because it's critical to this whole series and what's going on. Uh, God, the Godhead begins creating and then we come down to verse 11. Uh, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to each kind and on the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind and trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its own kind. And God saw that it was what? It's like the God is like, bam. That's Hebrew, bameo, bam, bamawa, whatever. You know, that, that's what the, the, the Godhead is on that. The plants were created with the ability to produce more plants. Don't just assume that, well, duh, Doug. No, I go duh back. 
don't assume it had to be that way. God can create any way he wants. Go to verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its, its kind. And God saw that it was what? Verse 22, and God blessed them saying, <laughs> it's like a Disney movie now, uh, God talking to the plants and they're getting it. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth in the seas and let the birds multiply on their earth. God's having a conversation with creation. It's like, I want more like you. Whales, more whales. Kangaroos, more kangaroos. Right? Mosquitoes, get out of here. <laughs> that had to come after the fall. Uh, for sure, I'm convinced of that. But, but that's what we see the design is. And again, I just go, stop, 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 stop. God didn't have to do that. He could have filled the whole earth with so many plants. You don't need another plant. With so many creatures, we don't need another creature. But God created plants with the ability to produce more for his glory. God created creatures with the ability to produce more for his glory. And God loves it. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Go to verse 26. And then God said, let us make man, let us make Adam in our own image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens. And verse 27. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. By the way, that's a word for today that's needed. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over. Wait, 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 wait. God does it one more time. Adam and Eve, here's the deal. I created you with the potential to produce more like you for my glory. And you come to the end of Genesis chapter one. And the Godhead looks over it all, and the Lord says, this is not just good, this is very good. And at the end of Genesis chapter 1, there is a question that sits on the table that's hidden behind the, 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 the in, written in, in, in uh, lemon ink on there that you can't see right now, that says, will they? Will they? They have been fully created and called for more like them, but will they? Will that happen? God has, by the way, note this, God has in all of this, as we know how it works out, God has created for, for, uh, for more, uh, more like them, but it is an addition that leads to multiplication. Listen, uh, Adam and Eve didn't give birth to like 12 or 20 or 100 kids in one shot. It's like generally, generally one at a time, right? That's kind of the general thing. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, but generally it's like one at a time. All of this is teaching us about God. Addition plus addition plus addition leads to multiplication. That'll be part of the series as we move on explaining that. But will they? Will, will they? Will the plants, will the creatures, will Adam and Eve participate in God's design and directive to produce more like for his glory? Or will the plants, or will the creatures, or will Adam and Eve respond with, you know what, there's really no need for more? I mean, what is is just fine. 
I mean, and more light may require something from me or something from us. And, you know, I kind of like the way it is without any more. They could have. Picture number one, the picture at creation. Picture number two, the picture at the flood. Turn over to the right, uh, uh, Genesis uh, uh, chapter eight there. By the way, on the screen it says Exodus eight, nine. That was my bad, my typo. We're still in Genesis. Uh, go to Genesis eight, a context. Uh, Noah's already on the scene. His family's already on the scene. The Arche Ar- is already on the scene. And that whole song was, was on, definitely on the scene at that time. Uh, uh, we have the whole creatures and the floods taking place. It's now dried up. Uh, uh, here, Genesis 8, verse 15. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Look at chapter nine, verse one. And God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I mean, isn't this interesting? The Godhead had an opportunity to do a redo. The Godhead could have changed. The Godhead says, you know what? The first time didn't work so well. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to create all humanity. We're going to create all the plants. We're going to create all the creatures. We're just going to fast forward all the way to Revelation 21 and 22 and put the eternal heaven in mode here. We're just going to go right there. But the Godhead didn't do that. The Godhead said, no, we want to do it the way we originally planned it. We have given you, we have created you, we have called you, we have designed you, we have directed you to be a part of producing a more like for the Godhead's glory. You have to see this in this. God created us with that and God has called us with that ability to do that. I mean, the Godhead could have said, let's go with a different plan. But instead, the potential to participate in the producing of more like remained. Picture number three, picture with Abraham, turn to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, verses one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you, Abram, a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and so forth. Hey, just out of that, do you get the idea that God's hand on Abraham was intended to bring about an impact of a limited specific few or a bunch broad, or a broad bunch more, a broad bunch more. I mean, a nation, that's a pretty big thing. Not a city, not a town, not a neighborhood, a nation. Oh, chapter 15, uh, uh, verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, uh, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Lord, 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 oh Lord God, uh, what will you give me for I continue to be childless? And verse three, and Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, hey, hey, bud, something like that. Uh, this man shall not be your heir for your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look, 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 Abram, look to the heavens and number the stars if you are able to. And then he said to him, said to him so shall your offspring be. That's a lot. You know, we can't necessarily see all the massive amount of stars on a day near a city, but you get out in the blackness and you see the beauty of the glory of the heavens. 
Do you get a sense here that again that in chapter 15 that God is interested in producing out of Abraham a, li- a limited specific few or a broad bunch more? A broad bunch more. By the way, how fascinating is it that he said, from your offspring, this will happen. Isaac, how long did it take for Isaac to come along? 25 years. What does that tell us about God? I would answer, God isn't in the kind of rush that we think that he is. In fact, could it be that this more like thing is about a whole bunch more than just more? Could it be that this whole more like call is about more than just numeric more? Uh, It's about more than just numeric more. Because God, if he was about numeric more, he would have just got there lickety split. I mean, he would have gone home and Sarah would have already been pregnant and ready to have birth that day. But God didn't do it that way. Let's just pause here. Let me pull a couple of these thoughts together here for us. Uh, Because trust me, the next seven will go quicker. The Godhead, one, the Godhead created and called for more like. The Godhead called and created, uh, 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 designed and, and designated for there to be more like. It made it that way at creation, at the flood, even here with Abram and Sarah. I want more like. Another thought is that God had created creation with potential to participate in producing more like. The plants, the creatures, humankind. By the way, that means that more like is a glorifying thing to God. God loves more like. Interesting. Oh, third, the Godhead is not in a rush for more like. I mean, so far, Genesis 1, 9, and 12, all of this includes this divine design and desire for more like. And like I've said, it's not more just for more sake. There's something more that's going on than just more. And I would even lean back into our last series because God is seeking to grow people in depth, not just breadth. God glorifying depth produces God glorifying breadth. And God glorifying breadth calls for God glorifying depth. Let me say it this way. Biblical depth and biblical breadth are not contrary, are not competing realities. Hey, friends, there is unbiblical depth and there is an unbiblical breadth. We're not talking that. There is a depth and a breadth that are gospel partners. Depth precedes breadth and breadth fosters depth. We'll be unpacking those more as we move along. Before we go to the next, this whole conversation right now, I wanna have a genuinely authentic moment with you. I fully realize that my using words like more like and breadth and using them even in a sermon series called Sent Forward has the potential to raise hairs on people's necks. And I get it. 
because it can feel, it can sound greedy. It can sound secular. I mean, it, 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 can, it can sound like numeric church kingdom building. Maybe you've been a part of a church where it's been all about attendance numbers. Maybe they said it wasn't, and maybe it actually was. I have. And I get your concern. I appreciate your concern. There is enough greedy more going on in our world today. There is enough self-kingdom building going on in our world today. And I am talking about ministers and ministries and God's people. And I'll just add the possible thought that could be coming out in someone's mind. Man, this is an interesting year. Doug's done two topical sermon series this year, which is not normal. Which, by the way, I would argue are actually a systematic theology series. If, if I were more specific, I would say two expositional systematic theology series. But we'll kind of leave that in your hands. And him not having done books of the Bible this year, which is kind of not the normal, along with his talking about this word more here, Oh my, is Radiant becoming a light on discipleship? All about numbers, seeker-driven church? Straight up, no. No. For the last 14 years, this church has not been about that. And I pray this church is never about unbiblical breadth. Yet the fear that that, of that, does not negate the biblical call for it. I'm just going to tell you, I am just saying here to you for me, and I pray for us, that the fact that God's call for more is, is oftentimes used wrongly does not negate the biblical call. I'm going to fight for the biblical call. Unapologetic preaching unashamed witness we have it posted on our walls that's what we're talking about here that's what is going on and this church has never been about an unbiblical breath we do not sit around and organize how we can have more goodness sakes this room is packed today and it, I can honestly say it has never been our thing to where we're like how can we hurry up and get more oh god I pray that never happens but out of depth comes breadth. And I think the fact that this room is filled is an, a testimony to that reality. Gospel depth and breadth is what our mission and vision statements declare. And that's what we have been about. And that is my heart and our heart. Biblical depth a result of that is biblical breadth. And we'll let God take care of the numbers. Amen? I hope that helps. Picture four. Speed picks up. The picture in Egypt. Turn to Exodus chapter one. Exodus chapter one. Context. As I just said, <laughs> we're in Egypt. Uh, well, as we'll see here in just a second, Joseph has died. Um, it's before the Hebrews are in slavery. Well, let me read verses 6 and 7, Exodus chapter 1. 
Now there rose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Here, here's, the, here's what's going on. God, by the way, who gives life? God does. By the way, that's an important reality for today. That's why life is important because God gives life and God is letting his people at this time reproduce like rabbits. Is that too awkward? <laughs> but that's what's going on. By the way, what did God say to Abram a period of time ago? I'm going to raise a nation out of you. And God is raising a nation out of them. By the way, having a multiplying reality of the numbers increasing so much that Egypt is concerned about the amount of numbers with that doesn't mean that happened in a week, didn't happen in a month, didn't happen in a year. We're talking years of time and it happens one by one, periodically two or three, but generally one by one. I'm telling you, God has given us a physical reality of what true discipleship really looks like. And one by one, God is multiplying his people. Addition plus addition plus addition leads to multiplication. In fact, that, that the Pharaoh who's after uh, Joseph is afraid they're, they're going to take over. Go to verse 12. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. That's fascinating. And the Egyptians were in dread of his people, Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. What caused the slavery? Answer, God blessing his people with more people because he was fulfilling his promise that he would raise up a nation for them. We live in a broken world. And here in this, I'm just, again, I'm trying to help us see that God is at work in raising more people for his glory. Picture number five, the picture at Sinai, uh, turn to Exodus 19. Exodus 19, we are now past uh, them in Egypt. They have, the plagues have happened. They've come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've even done the whole manna thing. They've done the Jethro thing um, for uh, Moses in that. Uh, we're at chapter 19 and they are at Mount Sinai. Let me read the end of verse two. There, uh, Israel encamped before the mountain, verse three, while Moses went up to God and the Lord called him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and how I brought you to myself. Verse five, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, might I say, if you will indeed go deep with me, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What's God doing here? God is calling them to what God has already called uh, that he would do through Abraham. Uh, he would raise up a nation, raise up a people who would be a people to the nations, going all the way back, all the way back to creation, that God has produced in them the ability to produce more like for his glory. And now God is establishing with the Egyptians brought out of slavery. Listen, I want to do a work in you. I want to do a work through you. If you will lean into me and you will go deep with me out of you, I will 
produce from you, you as a nation of priests. By the way, this idea of the nation of priests is, is it's not that there was uh, 5% of the nation was priests and 95 were just regular peeps. It was all of them were priests and all of them were priests to the world. And God was now about to give them a, a, a sending base place. In fact, let's go there to the next picture. Uh, turn to the uh, Joshua chapter one. Just uh, go through some pages, fan through some pages. You, you'll see Joshua, Joshua chapter one. It's a picture at the Jordan. Verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I have given to them, to the people of Israel. What's God doing? He has called them to be a nation of priests. I now have a place for you. I'm taking you to that place. And understand this, that place was not to be a vacation place. That place was not to be a stuck in themselves place. That place was to be a sending base place to the world. That's what God is doing in this. And again, I'm trying to help us see this thread through scripture that God loves more like for his glory. That God is designing, God is calling, God is moving his people. God is giving them the potential. He is giving them the ability to produce more like for God's glory as God has created them to be. And again, the question in all of this is, will they? We could go through the whole rest of the Old Testament, but it's too many pictures for today. So let's go to picture number seven. Let's jump to the New Testament. Turn to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. Again, this is an introduction Sunday. I'm setting the, the base work because in our day and age, there's a hard time of having a conversation about more like because people get wigged out about it and I understand why. And there is an unbiblical more, but there is also a biblical more call. And we need to see the biblical more call. And then we come to Matthew 4, 419. I've already made reference to it. Jesus is beginning to select the disciples and he comes by and there's Simon who later becomes Peter and there's Andrew, his brother. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Very interesting. The Lord is very clear on what the entire intent of the whole time is to be all about. It's about two things. It's first about follow me. First, follow me. Lean into me. Get deep with me. That's where it comes. Lean into me. Get deep with me. It's depth in Christ. And this depth in Christ is not intentioned to ever end. It's not like there's a three-year plan and now you're done. I'll give you an award and now you can do whatever. No, depth always goes, right? Depth is always about more depth. True? More depth in Christ wherever you are. If you came to Christ last night or if you came to Christ a hundred years ago, <laughs> awesome. But maturity in Christ never, never, ever, ever, never, never, ever ends and no. It is always there, but it starts there. And out of that, the clear call has become fishers of men. Depth bears fruit and not just fruit in me personally, not just fruit in you personally, but fruit of others who God has always from the very beginning created us to have a desire to produce more like him, more like for his glory. 
And this is a call on every person in Christ. And then we go to the commission just to make sure maybe that was just a moment. Turn to Matthew 28. Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has risen from the dead. We come to verses 18, 19, 20. Uh, I want to read to you what it does not say. Hear me. What I'm about to read, what am I about to read is not what it says. Therefore, guys, stay and huddle together. Keep it internal and keep it comfortable for you. And when it works for you, try adding a few disciples. And if you're up to it, do a bit of teaching on your hobby horses. And guys, here's the org charts, the spreadsheets, and the programs for it. And by the way, don't get too crazy about going making disciples because, you know, more light can lead to not knowing everyone's name. And more light can be messier because, my goodness, I've been with you, 11, now for three years. And the idea of adding more light, that's messy. And by the way, good luck, you're on your own. Everybody say, not that. Let's read what it does say. Verse 18, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of how much? As you are going, be making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Turn over to Acts chapter one, picture nine, the picture at the ascension. We see it in the call of Jesus. We see it at the commission of Jesus. And now here's the ascension. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And uh, Acts chapter one, starting in verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. In other words, I'm just telling you, they, they, bless their hearts, they weren't getting it yet. They just weren't getting it. That's actually an encouragement. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, here's the strategy, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Might I say, guys, it's time to permeate. Guys, it's time to permeate Jerusalem. It's time to permeate Judea and Samaria. And then as that goes along and disciples are made and addition plus addition plus addition leads to multiplication and more of that happens and the multiplication begins taking place. By the way, which is just like what I had in the whole idea of it when Colossians chapter one, uh, Jesus Christ was the one who created all things, the, the, the person of the Trinity that made it all happen. And yet he is the one who is saying, by the way, I want for you to do that and then also to the world. You just see this thread throughout scripture of this call for more like, and, and it even happens here. Might I say it radiant? Permeate the west side of Indianapolis. 
And then Indianapolis and central Indiana. And all nations. Question. Do we really want that? Just a question to ponder. Do you really want that? Do you get the sense that Jesus is serious about more like gospel breadth? I'm not talking about numerics for numerics sake. I'm talking about disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And more like for his glory. What if, what if in the coming years, 10,000 people on the west side of Indianapolis came to Christ? Would we be cranked up about that? I'm I'm actually asking, would we? I'm going to ask again, would we? Because I'm actually asking myself, would I? Because you realize what would have to happen out of that? That would mean gospel churches would be packed to the brim. We wouldn't know names. That means churches would have to be planted, which would be awesome. But I'm just telling you, are are, are we really interested as people in Christ, are we really interested in God doing a massive revival work out of us or are we just satisfied with just a little bit in pieces? And are we gonna allow the wrong conversations to invade our thinking about what are the right conversations? I'm leaning in and I gotta finish. Let me just make reference to the last one, Revelation the picture of heaven. Revelation 5, I'll just make note of it. Revelation 4 and 5, it's a picture of the throne room of heaven. And in that picture, you have this clear picture that I would suggest is just like in Genesis chapter 1. You have this teeming activity of life and activity. You don't have a few select people there. You got the presbyteros there. You got the, the living creatures there. You got the angelic beasts there. And then even in the whole movement of the whole context of it, it's like the animals join in and sing. And it's like the people of God join in and sing. It's like this live, loud, awesome, filled to the brim people. And God is loving every second of it and then you even come in and it talks about and the nations are here and then you go to Revelation 21 the eternal state what will be the future eternal heaven and for those in Christ it's the picture of the nations are there of it teeming with life not cubbyhole God people God's people in their little cubbyholes all around in their little tiny neighborhoods it's all together and it is awesome and it's cheering and it's alive and it's allowed and it's awesome and it's beautiful and I'm asking myself the question do I want that It's a hard conversation to have in this day and age to talk about more. But I will not let unbiblical more conversations take away our biblical understanding of what God has called for. And God has given us, as people in Christ, the potential to produce more for his glory in us and out of us. Gospel depth and gospel breath.
And we are a church that is intentionally for the last 14 years pressed into gospel depth as our front runner. And that will never change. Oh God, I pray. More depth. And yet in it, we want to grow in being a church that has a passion and a heart and actually an effectiveness in permeating the west side of the hope of the, with the hope of the gospel in increasing ways. But it's going to cost some sacrifice. And do we really want that? It's not about gospel depth only. But it's also not about breadth only. It's about both. And that's the biblical picture. It's not one without the other. It's both biblically. God has designed us that way. And God has called us to that. We're going to lean into this series and we're going to learn how. But next Sunday, the picture from Christ, the practice from Christ, ministering to the masses, but the core of it was discipling a few. That's where it happened. So God, help us. Oh God, help me. Help me to communicate through this series. Help us to bring us along through this series. Help us to get the picture that is a biblical picture, not an arrogant picture, not a greedy picture, not a worldly picture, not a self-kingdom picture, a you picture. Spirit of God, do a work in our lives now preparing us, preparing people. The harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. More labors. Help us through this series in being that. For your glory, for your purposes, all of it. In your name we pray. Amen.